Hello, everybody. Um, this is Wes, um, and I have coming to you from Berean Broadcast Network, and I got Don here um, representing Only One Truth Ministry, and we just want to go through a topic today in regards to revival. There's a lot of people that have, uh, you know, prayed for revival. You know, they've asked God to pour out his spirit in a generation. You've got like men like Leonard Ravenhill that prayed for revival over and over again. And uh, I think his message was a message that that could have brought revival. It, and so a lot of people think, is it a move of God towards man or is it a move of man towards God? And so, you know, that's that's the question that's probably been pondered for for eons. And so we're here to try to, you know, give you an understanding of let, let's just look at like what the word revival like according to the dictionary, Webster, uh, Webster's dictionary says it's an act or instance of reviving the state of being revived. So how does the Bible, this is going to be the question that we're going to try to tackle in this, in this um, broadcast is what does the Bible say about somebody being revived or made alive, which really would have to do with somebody becoming a Christian Another definition, according to another dictionary for revival, is um, of service of, for the purpose of affecting a religious awakening. So revival can have to do with somebody being revived. And if, and if it's a revival on a large scale, it's, it's a multitude becoming revived. Or it also could have to do with an awakening. This is why, like, they called it like the first awake, great awakening, the second great awakening. And so there, th this is this idea of like everybody being awakened or everybody being revived. And so what we want to do is let's go through some scriptures to really show how does this actually happen? What's the message uh, that that this will, um, you know, this will transpire? Uh, also, like, this is one of the things that came to me and this was just like a couple of days ago I, I i just i felt like god was saying like the the reason why that this nation doesn't have revival uh is because it doesn't have a message that revives you know it doesn't have the message and the bible clearly shows how is somebody alive and i'll, I'll let don answer this how does jesus say somebody has life or somebody is revived you know, the, the worst place a person can be is if they think that they're alive, that they're revived, and they're not. The word revive, uh, when I think about it, it's like a dead person that gets revived. And that's what we want to see is, is those that are dead. The Bible even talks about that in First Timothy chapter 5. It says, but she that lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. Well, that person needs to be revived. And we are certainly doing everything we can possibly to revive a world that is dead in their sins and trespasses. trespasses. In Ephesians 2, Paul wrote in verse 1, he says, um, he says, And you hath he quickened, made a, that means made alive, who were dead in your sins and trespasses. He says, but, and that's verse one of chapter two of Ephesians, and verse two says, we're in time past. What, what was the time past? The time past when you were dead. The time past before you were revived. So if we want to revive the world, uh, we first of all have to 
understand what the scripture says about being dead to being quickened and made alive. And this scripture, I think, brings it out pretty clearly, uh, right to the point. He says, you were dead yeah. in your sins and trespasses. So if, if, you were in, if you're in sin, you're still in sin and in trespasses, you are still dead. That's why we read in 1 Timothy chapter 5 that the woman who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives because she hasn't died to that self-life. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, for he will lose his life. That is a death, a, lose, a loss of his life living after the self. But if he loses life for my sake, then he shall truly be saved. So let me just finish here in verse 2 of Ephesians 2. Says, where in time past you walked according to the course of the world. You followed what the world did. You know, we have a lot of people, uh, Brother West, that says, Well, you know, I, I know God, you know, but they still following the course of the world. Well, how do I know that I know God? Well, it's simple. First John 2 4 says, The one that says, I know him and does not obey his commandments is a liar and the truth's not in him. So if you're saying, Well, I know God, you're and you're not obeying his commandments, you're still dead in your sins and trespasses. But he says, where in the time base you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air. You, you can't be walking according to the prince of the power of the air and walking in the spirit. You're carnal. And carnal yeah. means unregenerated. That's right. That means that you are lost. Fleshly is what carnal means. The word carnal means fleshly. Now, in, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Brethren, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one, the one that has fallen away, in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Restore that person that has fallen back into living after the flesh and is dead. In other words, you help to revive that person. But he said, you which are spiritual, which is very, uh, very, very uh, impactful to me, because when you look up the word spiritual, what does it mean? It means the opposite of, of carnal. It means the opposite of being dead in your sins and trespasses. It means that you are regenerated. Isn't that amazing that you look at carnal, it says unregenerated. You look at spiritual, it says regenerated. One is born again. One is not born again, Brother West. Go ahead. Yeah, one's, one's revived and one's not revived. And so you can't, if Jesus says you have to lose your life, like you said out of Matthew chapter 5, one must, uh, or Matthew chapter 10, excuse me, one must lose his life in order to have life. That happens in repentance. And so this, this is the idea of somebody doing something. This is the works of obedience that James talks about in James chapter two, because he says faith without works is dead. So if you don't have a working faith, you have a dead faith. Therefore mm -hmm. you're not revived. You're not mm -hmm. revived. And this is, if, it, if we're talking about revival being as an awakening that transpires in an individual's life. And if we want to say on a larger scale, if people are praying for revival, you know, like, you know, God touching his people and moving amongst them. Right. It's, it's, it's like what, what, what Paul or Paul says, you know, you're, you're the spirit moving in you. You have your being and you move with God, like to where you you're, you're one spirit with the Lord. And so, this is what we're, we're people are crying out for. They're wanting revival. They're praying for revival. But then when somebody like, let's say, Leonard Ravenhill comes on the scene and he goes, he, he says, hey, there's only two types of people in this world, not black or white, not rich or poor, right? There's only two types. There are those that are dead in sin 
and there are there those that are dead to sin. Yeah. So mm -hmm. if you're dead in sin, what does that mean? You're dead in your trespasses and sin. You're not made alive. You're not revived. And that's why James would say as simple as this, faith without works or faith without obedience to Jesus Christ and his message is dead. You're dead in your trespasses. You're not revived. So, and then if we look at the, the James two twenty four, the, mm -hmm. the verse that it clearly says is a man just, a, he said, it doesn't even ask the question. It says a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. So then what's the question we propose at this point? Well, can you be saved and not justified? Can you be saved and not justified? And everybody, I think, would anonymously would say, absolutely not. God has to see you as just. There's not there's not like, well, this is you're justified initially in salvation and it's God alone doing it. And then later on, then you're justified, uh, you know, because your works are connected to it or you're obedient. No, no, no. James says you can't be justified, period, at all, initially or finally, without a working faith because again faith without works is dead let me let me, let me clear something that you just said where i said because that's so important of a topic i had somebody uh, just uh, today uh, come at, come to me and say listen um you know james um shouldn't even be in the bible they said it it, it barely made it in, in, into the canon uh, other um uh, Martin Luther said that uh, the book of james was like a, bo a a book of rubbish why are they saying such horrible accusations and dangerous to the soul why would they why would they say such things like that my bible tells me in second second timothy chapter 3 verse 15 and 16 that all scripture is god breathed and they talking about the scripture of the a book of james as trying to advocate that it is not god breathed that is dangerous territory dangerous territory but listen to what 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 west just quoted in in james 224 he said, a man is justified by works and not by faith alone, or, or not by, by faith alone, or faith, or, or, or faith, or the finished faith. We hear a lot of people say, well, you know, you, you just faith alone will save you. Well, you, you need to believe in the finished work of the cross by faith. The Bible, James 2.24 says, you are not saved by faith alone. But they are saying you are saved by faith alone. Which one is true? Why are you choosing? Why would you choose to believe somebody else over what the very word clearly and precisely says that you are not saved by faith alone? You got all these preachers telling you you're saved by faith alone. The scripture says you're not. Matter of fact, it says in Hebrews 5 9, it said Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all that obey him, not those that disobey him. Obedience is necessary. Listen to this one more scripture. I want to, and I'd like to go back to Ephesians too, but I can't right now. But I have, I have to give you this one. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Look at it in whatever translation you look at. It. You know what it says? Don't be deceived. Wake up. Here's your revival. Here's your revival coming. Wake up. What is revival? It's an awakening, right? Right, Brother West? It's, a, it's an awakening. Wake up and quit sinning. There's your revival. The That's people right. don't want to quit sinning. They prefer to listen to these False preachers that are uh, and teachers that are out there today telling you it's faith alone, so the sin does not stop. Therefore, they're still dead in their sins and trespasses that we saw in Ephesians two. This is the Bible says they're being ruled by the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Well, wait a minute, I, they, they're saying you can be disobedient. They're saying you don't need to repent. 
They're saying you don't need to uh, stop sinning. They're saying you don't need to ask for forgiveness. They say because all your future sins are forgiven, you can just do, do. This is the opposite. It's absurd to the word of God. First Timothy chapter six, verse four says that if any man preach otherwise and does not consent to the wholesome words of the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't know anything. Doesn't know he's proud. He doesn't know anything. You must give heed. That's what we're preaching today. That's what we're coming forth to. And we're going out with street preaching. We do whatever we can because we want revival. We want people to be revived from the dead and walk in the fullness of the Lord, in the power of, the, of God Almighty. That's what will change this world. Amen, amen. And, and, and some other scriptures, you quoted the one where you're talking about the widow, the one you know who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. Well, we know this is also a true fact with the prodigal son, right? He has to pull himself out of his sin, out of his transgression, out of his prodigal living, and then once he pulls him out of that, he can come back to the Father. That's when he could be made alive. That's when he could be revived. But before that, the Father's not pulling him out of the pig pen. The Father's not pulling him out of his prodigal living. He has to make an initiative, just like James chapter 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Now God's telling you to do it. So there's power in his word. His word's not going to return to him void, but just like what Isaiah 55 says, but you have to be the, the man. It says, let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Then the Lord will abundantly pardon. Then the Lord will have mercy. Not until then. That's when you get revived. You know, you have this in Acts. It's, it talks about repent and be converted. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Everybody wants times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, a reviving, but they don't want to repent. You can't have it both ways. You can't have revival without repentance. That's what, and this is, Jesus says this to the act, you know, to the churches, seven, five out of the seven churches weren't revived. I mean, there was, except for like one, which was like Sardis that says, some of you have not defiled your garments and, you know, you shall walk with me in white. But to that church of Sardis, he says that you have a name that is alive but you're actually dead. Isn't, isn't that the majority of the people in so-called Christendom? They're calling themselves Christians. They're saying that they're alive. They're saying that they're the light of the world, yet they, their lifestyle actually demonstrates darkness, sin. And so, I mean, they, they have a name that's alive. They say, they say he's Lord, right? They confess that they know him. But they're by works, they're denying him mm -hmm. being abominable and disqualified. That word disqualified means reprobate. They're reprobate. They're not true Christians. And what we're saying is if you really want to, to be revived, you have you have to. This is this is the message that revives. And this is why, again, the guy that preached about revival, Leonard Ravenhill, if anybody knows. Somebody that preached about revival was Leonard Ravenhill. And, and this is another statement, another quote from him. He says, you, can, you, know, you can't be a, a, a saved sinner. He goes, you can't be a saved sinner. Here's the quote. He says, to, be, to say you're a saved sinner is like saying you're a married bachelor or you're an honest thief or you're a, or you're a pure harlot. Those are all conflicting terms. And so the guy that was praying for revival, the guy that was crying out for it, that everybody, at least that studies, uh, you, you know, history, 
that a lot of people know Leonard Ravenhill and they would, they would say, oh yeah, Leonard Ravenhill was a man of God. Well, how about we take his words for face value, look at him. That's the message that would bring revival. How about we stop crying out and asking God to do it and let's do our part. He's already told you what it takes to have life. He's already told you what it takes to be revived through the scriptures. So now draw near to him by obeying those scriptures and be revived. Amen. That's, that's a beautiful word. I like how you brought out in Isaiah 55. If you guys want to look at where it's at in, the, in verse 6. It says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. What a beautiful scripture. In the book of Isaiah chapter one, there was a people there. They were dead in their sins and trespasses. They were living their own way, but they were still going to church so to say, that we still had a form of godliness, but lacked the power of God. They still had sin in their lives, and they thought they were okay. But God comes to them, and he tells them this in verse 15 of chapter 1. He says, and when you spread forth your hands, I'm going to hide my, 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 uh, my eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear your, hear your, your hands are full of blood. Let me tell you something, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, it says, The Lord's hand is not short that it could not save. Neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your sin has separated between you and your God, and your sin had his, has hid his face from you. You want revival? You need to do what the Scripture says. 2 Corinthians 7, 10, and 11 says, To have godly sorrow, to break before God. That's what we want to see. That's revival. When you have godly sorrow and you break before God, I'm not talking about a worldly repentance or a worldly sorrow. I'm talking about a godly sorrow. And you break before God and you cry out to God for all your past sins and everything you've done. And you commit to God. Like it says in the book of uh, a book of Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sin shall not prosper, but he that confesses and forsakes his sin shall be shown mercy. That's called repentance. When you turn, you forsake your sin, just like 1 John 1, 9, that says that, that if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all all in righteousness, so you're completely clean before God. He's telling these people here, wash you, verse 16 says, make you clean. The Bible says in James chapter 4, he, say, he says there, he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you're double-minded. So he's, he's telling you, man, get things right. You need to do this. You want to be revived? You want to have life? You want revival? It starts at home. It starts with you. And as you walk with him, then you can share this with others and revival can start happening in this land. We need it. We desperately need it. This whole world is lying in wickedness. It's gotten worse than it's ever been, what I can see with the immorality and the things going on in this world. You need God. You need to live for him. If you love your children, you need to live before them and show them what a godly life is. So he says, wash your hands and put away your sin, your evil. Put away your evil of your doings from my eyes. Quit sinning. He says, cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Well, seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed judgment follow. He says, come now and let us reason, saith the Lord. You need to sit down with God or kneel down. And you need to reason with him. And he will speak from the voice of Jesus. And he will tell you. He'll say, why? Verse like Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord? 
and do not the things that I say. Why don't you do what Jesus said? He said, go and sin no more. He said, be perfect as you fall in heaven. He said, be holy as I am holy. Why don't you do what he said? Why don't you quit making excuses for it and listening to these false preachers? You want to know how to recognize a false preacher? I'm going to tell you how. Jesus told you how in Matthew chapter 7. He said that many false prophets would come who would outwardly they look like sheep, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. He says, by their fruit, you'll know them. And he said, every tree that brings forth corrupt fruit or evil fruit, sin, he, he says, you'll know them. He said, that is a false prophet. If they got sin in their life, sin must stop. Look what he says here. Come now, let us reason. Though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Listen, Jesus wants to clean you from all your past sin as though you had never sinned before. But you have to make that step. It's your choice. He says, come to him. They shall be white as snow. Though they were red like symptoms, they shall be like wool. If you be willing to do that, he says, verse 19, and you be obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You're going to have it. You're going to have that wonderful life. You're going to be revived, and you're going to be a, the, the start of the revival. It can start with you today, you and me, you and me and Wesley. Let's That's start what the, today. If you, hold on, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse, what did he say? And rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord. I haven't spoken it. I'm not telling you what I say. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Go ahead, Wes. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. He clearly gives you an understanding of, you know, let the, you have to cleanse yourself by responding to God's message. Obviously, he's telling you to do it. And out of response in, you know, to him telling you to do something, there's power in his word. Like we said out of Isaiah 55, his word's not going to return to him void. So then your response is, but you're not going to hit the blood or there's not going to be this cleansing of sin, Isaiah is saying. He said, he, he said, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. But you first have to cease to do evil. Amen. So he's giving you the proper steps that need to be taken in the proper order yeah. yes. so that you can have forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins does not happen before repentance. Repentance it's a, it talked about God granting the Gentiles repentance unto life. It's not life unto repentance. So how do you have to how do you have to hit get life or get revived? You got to repent. You got to cease from doing evil, learn to do good, right? And that's what Isaiah is saying and then that's when you actually are able to be justified in the eyes of God back to James 2:24, right? Um, you know, a man is justified by works. What works are we talking about? We're talking about the works of obedience. And this is why John, John chapter three, verse 36 says, and th this goes along with who has life, the same topic, right? Who has, has life, who's revived and who doesn't have life and who's not revived. Jesus says in John three thirty six, he says, it, it, well, it says, it says, he who believes in the son has life. He who does not obey the son shall not see life. They won't be revived. They're not going to have revival. They're not going to be regenerated. But John says that the wrath of God abides upon him. They're, they're, they're children of wrath. Why are they children of wrath? Because their lifestyle 
is still indulging in the works of the flesh. You know, there's no inheritance. If you don't have an inheritance in the kingdom of God because you're in the works of the flesh, you're not right with God. You're God's enemies. That's why Don said the carnal mind, talking about the carnal minds, unregenerated, not revived. It says it's at enmity with God. It cannot know God. So until you actually change your mind, which automatically gets you in the place where you're changing your actions, action simultaneously, that's happening. Not one later on down the road. No, simultaneously. If you change your mind not to do something, guess what? You're not doing it anymore. If you say, I'm going to stop looking at pornography, lusting after women, because that's a big pandemic that's in the so-called false Christian system. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that are just indulging in that, thinking themselves Christians. You know, you're going to produce after its own kind. So you're going to produce, if you, if you're living in sin and you're indulging in the works of the flesh, what are you going to produce out there? You're praying for revival as you're literally living in darkness. How are you going to change somebody and turn somebody from darkness to light while you yourself is in darkness? Here's another one. Romans 8, 13, it says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit, which is God's visitation upon someone's life, convicting you of sin, you know, righteousness, sin, and judgment. It says, but if you by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body, the deeds of the flesh, you will live. So, so what happens first? You have to put to death the deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the body, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life before you're revived, before you're made alive. This is the message that would bring revival. You know, is it, we're not selling you. We're not like snake oil salesmen. We're not, we're not like those infomercials you see at like two o'clock in the morning that tells you just buy these pills and the, and the weight's just going to shed off your life. You know, we're not selling you something that's not true. We're trying to give you, what does the Bible said? How did Jesus teach it? You've been crying out for revival. Maybe this is the, this is the answer, you know, that you stumbled across this video and now God's trying to give you the answer of what you've been praying for. And if you reject this message, guess what it means? It means you didn't really want revival. You wanted the idea of it, but you didn't want to do the footwork in order to obtain it. You may be out there trying to find peace and trying to find joy and trying to find happiness in all the wrong places. My Jesus promises you that if you'll come to him, his burden is light, his way is easy, the yoke is easy, but you must come to him. And he will give you a peace, he said, that will pass all understanding. As you keep your mind upon him, he will give you perfect peace. He promises that in Isaiah 26, 2, and he also promises it in Philippians chapter 4. He also promises the joy that no man can take away in John 16. Why would you search after? You've been searching after it all your life, haven't you? You've been trying to find that peace, but when things start happening on the outside, you get shaken. Let me tell you something. Jesus says, peace I give unto you in John 14, but not as the world gives. His peace isn't an outward peace. His peace is an inward peace that all hell can be going on on the outside, and you're okay on the inside. I want you to come to your senses and quit listening to all this stuff that's being being spoken out there by people that call themselves preachers. They're not. 
They're wolves in sheep's clothing telling you that you don't have to stop sinning and that you'll make it to heaven and just be fine if you'll just pr pray this prayer with me. That's not what the Lord said. Please don't be deceived with that. The Bible says, don't be deceived. Wake up and quit sinning. So if you're deceived with that, I'm going to tell you what happened here. There was a, there was a guy, and Wes talked about him earlier. He's, it was called the prodigal son. What did he do? He left his father. That's a picture of us leaving our father and going and doing what we want to do. And that's what he did. He went and did what he wanted to do. But good for him, blessed was it for him that he came to his senses. And when he came to his senses, he began to think about the life that he could have with his father. I want you to come to your senses and think about the life that you could have if you just let all that stuff go of this world. And you come to the father and receive that peace and joy that he promises. When he came back to his father's, he realized that he wasn't worthy. He had what we would call a godly sorrow. He said, Father, I'm not worthy to even be called your son again. I'm not worthy to have anything. Just let me be one of your hired servants. Just let me in. The father was very compassionate to him, ran to him, put his arms around him. And you know what else he did? He just blessed him. And that's what God wants to do to you today. He wants to put his arms around you and hold you as you come to him in a brokenness of a, of a godly sorrow. And, the, and after he had done that, the father said to his other, other son, he said, hey, my son was dead. He said in verse 24 of chapter 15 of Luke, my son was dead and he's alive again. He was revived. That's right. That's revival. It begins with you. My son was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, and now he's found. He's, he's found. And they begin to be merry. Amen. Makes me happy. John it makes me think of John, first John, chapter three. This is what John said, and this is our joy as well that we want to have for you. And John 1 and 4, 1 John, I mean, 3 John chapter 1, verse 4, says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. That's what we want to see, man. Just to see you walk in the truth. That's right. You believe the lie so long. You want revival? It starts with you. In the book before that, in 2 John chapter 1, verse 9, he said, if anyone sins, if anyone transgresses and does not continue in the teachings of Jesus Christ, he does not have God. Does not have God. He says, neither, but he that continues in the teachings of Jesus Christ hath both the Father and the Son. But if any man come to you and does not bring this teaching, and this is the teaching, we're bringing you the truth, but they've been coming to you not bringing this teaching, he said, don't even forbid him Godspeed. Don't even give him a blessing. Because he didn't, and don't let him into your house, he said. Don't let him into you. Don't let, don't listen to that, is what he's saying. Don't be any guys, because he that bids him Godspeed is a partaker of his sin. This is serious. Yeah, the Bible that, says, that, come out from among them and be separate. And the Lord says, and then I will receive you. Get out of that. Amen. So that's... And, and then even if somebody is revived, let's say an individual gets revived or let's say, uh, 
a group of believer, a church begins to be revived because five out of the seven churches, if they would have just listened to Jesus and, and, and responded to his message of repentance towards them, they could have been revived, you know, but obviously, um, you know, we don't have any account of what the response was altogether, but let's say one of them did, one of them did respond and truly get on right track. And then they were revived. Well, an, another question that we could propose is, is what would kill revival? What would, because it's kind of like this concept on, right. Is, you know, people pray the armor on, right. They pray the armor on. And then a lot of the times we, you know, we, we like to say, why did you take it off? You know what I mean? So when somebody gets revived or a church gets revived, this is not supposed to be just some segment or period of time of like, we had revival for a week or we had revival for a month. Well, when were you supposed to be unrevived? Because if you got unrevived, guess what happened? You, you went back to your sin. You died. And therefore, you're not spiritually alive. You're no longer awake. And so th this idea that you know, that, that it's only temporarily. So I, I guess one of the things that I would say, and maybe you could add to this is the reason why revival would stop would be because the Bible talks about a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is what hypocrisy. It's, it, it's the doctrine of the Pharisees, which would be connected to their lifestyle what ultimately would be a hypocritical idea of saying one thing, but living the opposite or living in sin while still trying to preach a message of righteousness. So if you have that with, you have this going on all the time in the false system, they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth. They'll say, Hey, and Don, Don probably gets comments all the time that, you know, with people that, that make it out to be like, Oh yeah, you know, we're, um, you know, we're Christians, we're living holy. And so they'll, they'll propose this message of holiness. Um, you know, just at, at, at some degree, they'll, they'll, they'll seem to be preaching righteousness, seem to be preaching holiness. But then when you really dig deep into what they're really saying and how, how they're preaching it, they'll say, um, um, you know, they'll basically say that, you know, you, you should live holy. But then they'll say your holiness or let's say your obedience to Jesus Christ and his message is disconnected from your salvation. And so really, what, what does that do when somebody says that holiness, you should be holy, but then they detach that from your salvation? What does that do, Don, to everybody, maybe the innocent or those that are just young, just coming into Christianity or maybe haven't even come to a full repentance? What does that do to them? It'll wreck their faith. The Bible says, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Uh, he said, be holy, even as I am holy. And, and you know, as you mentioned about the armor of God, and, and I don't think the biggest problem is, is taking the armor of God off. I, I think most people haven't put it on. Yeah. You know, when you think about what the, what the armor is really saying, he says, put on the helmet of salvation. Well, what is the helmet of salvation? It's putting on Christ. It's putting on where, where you, you protect it from, the, from, from uh, darts and thoughts. Uh, I, I think most people just have the, the enemy just, just constantly feeding them things and they just think it's themselves and they follow through with it. What is the next thing? Put on the helmet of salvation, put on the, uh, your loins girt about with truth, you know, uh, or the breastplate of righteousness. In other words, you need to be doing righteous. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 7 and 8, it says, don't be deceived. The one that does righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. You go on down to armor. This is exactly what we've been talking about the whole time. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And make no provision for the flesh. 
and live it, live that life toward others. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He said, I keep under my body. You're going to walk in the Lord. You need to not to quit telling, quit listening to what your body or what your flesh says and listen to spirit. I keep under my body, Paul said. Well, why would you bother doing that if you just say by faith alone? I keep under my body. I bring it under subjection. I tell it what to do. Not I don't listen to what it tells me. I, I, I keep under my body, but bring it under subjection, lest by any means, after I preach to others, I myself be a castaway. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so glad we're able to, to, to talk to you this morning or this evening, whatever time it is for you. Uh, we, we, we just want you to know we're here for you. We love you. We want you to you know, post your comments. We want to help you. Anyone out there uh, that's listening, we're here to help you. We love you and care about your soul. This is so, so important. The, the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Get this done first. This is utmost important. Because he said, if your eye is not single, then your body's going to be full of darkness. Your eye must be singly on the Lord and doing the will of God, not this world. These things are temporal. He said, look not at the things that are temporal, but the things that are eternal. We love you. We want to be there for you. Um, Brother Wes, you may want to close out with this, but I just want to say that, man. Get it right before it's too late. Time is running out. It's of, it's of, it's of essence. All you have is right now. I would hate for you to get before God and say, you know what? I thought I had more time. I thought I could do it another time. But, it's, but you don't get a second chance. You need to do this. You need to get it right now. Well, that's the seriousness of this message, because if somebody wants to like a lot of I, I probably 90 percent, if not more, are are going to try to if they don't believe in once saved, always saved. The other people would disconnect initial salvation from final salvation. But when they do that, they're boasting in time, like what you're saying, they're boasting in time that they do not have. How do you know you have the next minute? How do you know that, you know, if, if you say, well, you know, God did everything for me and he just handed it to me, salvation, I'm saying, on a silver platter, right? It's handed to you. It's yours. It's a gift. But yet you have not changed anything. And then you think, well, you're procrastinating and say, well, I'll do that later. Like as if the cleanup happens after you receive salvation, which by the way is false. But let's just entertain that idea. If you were to even uh, propose that concept, you could get in your car and get in a car accident and, 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 and then you're gone. You didn't have time to literally do this cleanup process. Like people that say, I wish Jesus would come tomorrow. Like you might need for some because you're so, you know, in sin and over to the slavery of sin. You might you might need some time to get cleaned up and wash up. You don't want Jesus Christ to come tomorrow. No, right. Sir. You know, and so that's this idea you're boasting in time that you don't have. And so that's why it doesn't work that way. Your initial salvation cannot be detached or dis disconnected from your final salvation. They're one in the same. That's why repentance precedes salvation. And like what you quoted from first Corinthians chapter nine, that Paul's talking about keeping his body under subjection. He's keeping it in obedience. Take that into Hebrews chapter 12, according to what we're talking about. Will you not be subject? That means obedience. Look it up in the Greek. Will you not be subject to the father of spirits and live? You're not going to be alive. You're not going to be revived until you're subject for, to the father of spirits. And then you hold to that subject. 
you keep your body subject. And, 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 and that's what we're talking about. So listen to this message, please feel free, write comments. If there's anything that comes to you in con connection to this, and maybe you've done your own studies and revival, leave a comment, you know, leave a comment about this, uh, about whatever is on your heart. And, and we're just trying to get people to what's a Bible opinion enough with man's opinion, right? Enough with what man has proposed for eons upon eons. They've been searching for revival. And if, why is God not moving? We're giving you biblical answers. We're giving you, what did Jesus say makes somebody alive? What does Paul say awakens somebody? So um, I'm going to give this to Don. Go ahead and close out, brother. I, it's my phone's ringing. Thank you guys for um, listening in today. Um, you can also go to Only One Truth um, on, on YouTube uh, and listen into other videos that, and, and services that will help you. We do have services uh, three times a week here uh, on YouTube and Zoom. Um, we have them on uh, uh, tomorrow. We'll have one at 11 a.m. Uh, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And uh, uh, Fridays also at 7 p.m. All central time. But we want to help you. We want to reach out to you. And, uh, and do whatever we can to be a help. Uh, if you want revival, which is what we all want, then it starts at home, like we said over and over again. Wake up and quit sinning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity today. I pray that the seeds that we plant, God, are watered and increased by you, Lord. If you're listening today, and this message has touched you and convicted you, then please, Go get down on your knees or get by yourself if you can and begin to cry out to God and confess all of your past sin. And as you confess them, then first make a commitment to God and in your heart that you'll never go there again. You'll, you'll forsake those sins forever. And then you will receive the salvation of our God and walk in that truth and that cleanness in the Lord. But you must mean it with all your heart and you must stop and God knows your heart. We love you. God bless you. I thank you for tuning in again and be ready for the next video. If you want to go down at the bottom of the screen, you'll see a, a, a subscribe button there. Please press it. And also the, um, the, also the, 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 the next one down below it is the one that uh, we will note a notification button that you can press. It will notify you of the future, future videos. God bless you. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you again. Amen.